So this uh, video was a good reminder for me. I had uh, my physical, I had an annual physical uh, recently, I think it was a week, two weeks ago. And, you know, so I go in and the nurse asks me a series of questions before the doctor comes in. And one of them she said was, how well do you eat? I said, Quite well, thank you. You know, I was, uh, and uh, she said, no, she said, uh, you know, do you eat healthy foods? I said, I enjoy all sorts of food. I wouldn't exactly call it healthy, I said. And then she said, um, you know, do, do you exercise regularly? Now, I actually thought the question about about eating and about exercise, I really thought in there she was just kind of uh, patronizing me a little bit. Because, you know, I mean, if you look at me, it's pretty easy to tell. Um, you know, I, I, I'm probably a little loose on both of those things, uh, you know, on, on eating and on, on exercising. Um, you know, I, I don't, I looked over at the nurse and she gave me the, the kind of look that said, I'm just trying to do my job here, buddy. Answer the question, will you? You know, and uh, I told her, I said, well, I'm exercising regularly now. I got this kind of off and on thing with exercise. Uh, I have found that I enjoy the off more than the on lately. And, um, the uh, you know, and, uh, when I was doing the running, it was a little easier for me and I just enjoyed running um, you know and again it sounds odd to some people but I, I miss being able to run for three hours there's keywords there being able to <laughs> is one is some of the keywords but um, my hip and my mind have had a real disagreement on that um, my mind says I want to run let's go run and my hip says no you know that ain't going to happen. And uh, you know, so I was, I'd try to run anyway, and my hip insisted on, um, on you know, boycotting longer in, in the, you know, in the day. Uh, and so I had to, um, you know, I had to, I had to back off on the, on the running. I'm not getting anywhere here, Andy. My little button's not working. They always love it when that stuff happens. This one, he's getting ready to go down and help with children's church. Yeah, but just put the title slide up there for now. Oh, now it's working. Thanks. Hey, that was an easy fix. Um, so anyway, I had to quit running. When I quit running, then I wasn't doing any exercise at all for a while. I really like that part of exercising, you know, the, the resting the resting is, is they, they tell me that resting is important in exercise, you know, that you need to know when to rest. And I got the, so I was working on the resting part of exercising for a while and uh, not the exercising part. Um, not exercising gave me more time to do things, uh, you know, like eat. And, uh, you know, then over the next few months, I noticed that Ginny was, was slowly but surely shrinking all of my clothes. I don't know what had gotten into her, um, but, you know, it, it just seemed like over over the course of, you know, months, couple months, three months, you know, my clothes just kept getting tighter and tighter. And I, I, I told her, quit, you know, using the, the high heat setting on the dryer, but she wouldn't listen. Uh, so anyway, a couple of months ago, uh, my off and on relationship with exercise got to the on part again because that's kind of so far I've lost 37 pounds now don't be too impressed 
because I've also gained 32. Yeah, that, that, that's how I do it. I lose a few pounds, gain a couple pounds, lose a few, gain a couple, you know, and all that stuff. Overall, you know, over the couple months, um, I'm down about five pounds. Well, that's better than being up five pounds. You know, I mean, that's the way I figure it. I keep looking at the scale and just think, what the, what, you know, what, what's in my pocket? So, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, and I, I realize if I'm going to stay in better health physically, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to do, you know, a little bit more exercise uh, than none, uh, you know, and, and do that. And the same thing is true for us spiritually. You see, if you're going to, if we're going to keep ourselves spiritually healthy, we need to apply ourselves to that goal of being spiritually healthy. Some people seem to think that you can have an off and on relationship with God. They, you know, some people think you can have an off and on relationship with God, and that's okay. You know, and, and that, that's really all right. But there's something messed up. There is something messed up if you have an off and on relationship with God the same way that I do with exercise. There is something messed up with that. Now today I want to look at, you know, I want us to look at, you know, having a, a good relationship with God. Now some of that does require some off and on for us. But we're going to look at that in a minute. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word and your truth to us, and we need to grasp a hold of it, not just in our head, in our heart, in our life. It needs to be a part of what we do. Uh, well, I thank you for your patience. I have some things that I've learned, it seems, over and over again and had to pick up, and I don't want to have an off-and-on relationship with you. I want it to always be on. I want it to be where I don't back off and slack off on things. So teach us from your word that we might be people who uh, reflect really what a great God you are and the privilege of having a relationship with you. Thanks, and help us in Christ's name. Amen. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, we're going to start there again. We're continuing uh, in that, and we've kind of gotten into a slow walk through verse 14. But Second Chronicles chapter 7, uh, drop down to verse 12. Remember, this is... This is uh, God's answer to part of Solomon's prayer during the dedication of the temple. All right, so Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I close the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves, Pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, we started in the Second Chronicles chapter 7 about a month ago, and we began, we began with verse 1, really, and been working our way down. When we got to verse 14, we kind of slowed down. Uh, I think it gives us some direction we need to apply right now. When I say right now, I mean all of it, all of it in, you know, in the Bible is, are things we need to apply right now. Um, but I think the reality of what this addresses uh, is pertinent to us at, at this point in our history even, uh, not just as individuals, but even as, as a country. I, I know this was addressed specifically to Israel. They were known as God's people. 
Uh, today, I believe that, you know, there's an application for it to all those who claim to be God's people. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about all those who have a relationship with Christ Jesus, all those who realize that Christ died for our sin, uh, just what we've been singing about, what some of the scriptures that we've already read have been talking about, the fact that he shed his blood, gave his life so that we can be forgiven of our sin. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, all you know, God's people. Now, the first phrase that we paused with in verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And we looked at that, what it means, humble ourselves, you know, needing to see God as holy, seeing God as he really is, allowing God his right and lofty place and, and having that place in our lives. And that's simply, I mean, the reality is he is there, whether we realize it or not. The reality is we need to realize it. And lifting God up, seeing him, his extreme worthiness, you know, the superiority of him in all things. That's a humbling experience when you do that. It, it helps us to see ourselves in, in a, a more correct place. Last week, uh, we only moved on one word. Um, you know, it said, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray. And we looked at prayer. And what that is, you know, communicating with God, deliberately and regularly communicating with God, speaking and listening to him. It's not just us pouring things out. It's, you know, desiring his heart, his agenda, his will, listening to what he has to say, asking to see things through his eyes. That brings us to today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face. My people will seek my face. You know, that, that, that's that full-on look, if you will, a greater understanding. Uh, you know, that starts, you know, seek, seek. That, that's something, it's, it's a word used in desperate situations, times when God is the only possibility. Uh, the word means to strive after. It indicates a real effort is exerted, not just a casual bumbling along but a real effort is exerted in some other places it's translated ask beg beseech desire make inquisition procure if you're seeking political leaders to solve our problems then you are seeking the wrong area You know, you are seeking in the wrong area. He says, seek my face. God calls us to seek his face, this relationship with him. If you think more laws or less laws is the answer, then I think you underestimate the problem. Uh, We have laws because as people, we want to do our own thing. We want to live our own way. We want to live to benefit ourselves. That's why we have laws. We have speed limits because, you know, people like me would like to drive just as fast as they want to and, you know, no matter where we are. I mean, think about that. That's why we have those laws. If everybody, if, if everybody, uh, drove with the other person in mind, <clears throat> we'd have a lot less traffic laws. If everybody lived their lives with, you know, with the, for the betterment of the, of other people, then we would have a lot less laws. You know, I mean, that, it just, it just makes sense. Uh, Jeremiah 29 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, the problem we are facing is a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Hearts that are not seeking God. Specifically, when you look at Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name, it's God's people not seeking 
God. If my people, he said, who are called by my name, will seek my face. He's talking to his own people. Too many people, even God's people, too many are seeking his hand instead of his face. Seeking more possessions instead of the person. Seeking personal goals instead of a personal God. Uh, you know, content, you know, with God far off somewhere in this off-on relationship with him. Uh, we need a deeper understanding of God himself. We need the closer intimacy with God himself. Let's look at a passage that we're going to get some direction from, I think. Colossians chapter 3. Turn there, if you will. Um, I think this is going to help us have a closer, more intimate relationship with God to seek his face. Uh, when we think of seeking God's face, the first four verses here in Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses really capture the essence of what it involves, I think. Uh, Colossians chapter, uh, chapter 3. Follow along. Look at verse 1. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, uh, where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on what is above, not on what is on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Now notice here, just you know, look at the, those verses again. Uh, you know, Paul here, God is speaking through Paul. Uh, God is speaking to his people. Those, he, notice what he says. Those who have been raised with the Messiah. He's speaking to his people. Those who have been raised with the Messiah. He goes on. He directs God's people to what we should be seeking. He says, not what is on earth. You know, rather what is above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. This is exactly what he's saying here. All I'm doing is reading you more, rereading parts of those verses. In order to seek what's above, then we have to do what it says here. Set your heart, you know, set your heart and set your mind on things above. Set your heart and your mind, be intent, focus on, directed toward. You see, if you set it on, that's what you're directed toward. That's a mindset. It's a determination to work, you know, knowing, work at knowing God so thoroughly that we know his ways, that we know him so thoroughly we know what he's going to do, what he's going to say. Something, you know, it happens in our family, you know, and Ginny and I can say, you know, about the other person, hmm, they're not going to be happy about that, you know, or, oh, they're going to like this. Why? Because we know each other. To know God so well, you know, to know him so well and so thoroughly that we know his ways. It's an inner determination that is deliberately fed. To set your heart and your mind, that inner determination that's deliberately fed. If you don't feed it, it's only wishful thinking. It's only a fanciful idea. If you don't feed it, you know, if, you, if the, the idea goes nowhere if you, don't, if you don't feed it, if you don't have some input in there. You see, purposefully, it, it purposefully bringing, you know, to your mind to focus on seeking after God. Purposefully bringing your mind to focus after seeking on Him, to know Him more completely, to know Him more deeply. You know, this is not a level to be attained. It's an action to take. It's an action to take. Uh, the wording is that of a continual action, not a one-time experience. Continue to set your mind. Continually set your heart. Continually set your mind. Continually do these things to seek after God. Well, then we hear how we can do this. Verse 5. Verse 5 in, in uh, Colossians 3 there. It says, Therefore... 
Put to death whatever belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, let's just pause there for a minute. I hope to pick up more. We'll see how far we get. Uh, what begins to unfold there in verse 5 are really some steps to help us set our minds on things above, things that we should have an off relationship with, you know, where our relationship should be off. In fact, you, know, you put off, it says, put off the old self, put to death, it says, what belongs to your worldly nature. Those values you operated by, you know, when you were driven by the world's value rather than God. Those things that are driven by the world's value with no, with, with no inclination toward God, with no thought of God, as if God doesn't matter, if God doesn't exist. And then what follows really are examples of our earthly nature. It's not an exhaustive list, but trust me, it's plenty to start with, uh, you know, begin working on those. Uh, putting our earthly nature to death, it's not an easy thing to do. We're used to operating that way. That's the way we're used to living. This verse indicates, you know, that, that it's an active, vigorous, intentional putting to death whatever is not in harmony with God. That we intentionally put off those things which are not in harmony with God. How do we go about that task? Well, one way is, you know, you starve it to death. Uh, you know, whatever areas of your earthly nature you struggle with, don't feed it. Don't feed it. Don't put yourself there. You know, one of the things that we've, you know, tried to do, um, you know, because I need to eat better, I need to eat less junk, so we have tried to have less junk in the house. Just makes sense, doesn't it? Because you know what happens if it's there? I eat it. Jenny's making cookies and I'm eating cookies. You just got to love the M&M's container from Costco or Sam's Club. Don't you? I do. And it comes with a big lid so I can put a hand in there and I can get a whole handful. I'll just have a few. Hundred. You know, I mean, so what you, you know, don't, don't feed whatever it is you're struggling with. You know, and you know, the, the best way, you know, don't just do that, but also Take positive steps. Fill the time you used to use to in, in, indulge sinful practices. Fill that time with activities that build your relationship with God. You know, what activities are there that builds your relationship with God? You know, something that feeds, builds, strengthens your relationship with God. Well, remember, you know, remember what it says there in that verse to, you know, to um, set your heart and mind well, here's a good way to do that. Philippians chapter 4, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Look at those words right there. 
you know, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and God's peace will be with you. You see, instead of spending time feeding that earthly nature, instead of spending that time feeding, you know, that use that, use it to set your mind on things above. Now, we're not just talking around, you know, talking about, about sitting around trying to think good thoughts. That's nice, but that's not it. You know, that, that, that is, that is, that's not it. This is taking action that will build you in Christ and not destroy your relationship with Him. Those things that will build you in Him. We often tempt God with our behavior. As if, you know, just in the, in the same way as a child tests the limits of what mother means when she says, uh, don't touch this, don't touch this. No, that's, uh, you know, when, when they say, you know, don't, don't touch this. And, uh, do you mean not at all? Do you mean not at all? Or, or just don't pick it up? You know, there's still a little bit of kid in me. And I see that don't touch this sign, I think. Don't touch this. When I was in seventh grade, one of the girls in my class went to see, uh, I believe it was the Rolling Stones, and she somehow or other got backstage, and um, I think it was Mick Jagger, she said that, it was some famous rock group and some fame. I don't remember exactly who, which person it was. But anyway, she comes to school the next day and she is telling us the story. And Mick Jagger and I are the only ones who touched this pen. And everyone's standing around a teacher's desk. You know, she's showing a teacher and they're all standing around a teacher's desk and they're oohing and on. And so I reached over. Hey, it's just the kind of guy I am, you know. <laughs> the uh, and then and then uh, you know a, a foot race ensued around the classroom. I remember that as she was chasing me, and and uh, you know now she tells the story about there was this jerk in seventh grade, you know. <laughs> that's how she tells that's how she tells the story, and and Mick Jagger I and Pat Ryan are the ones who touched this pen, you know. Um, you know what what is it you know when god says you know don't touch that what makes us think that it's good to just do if we just do a little bit it'll be okay just a little bit of sin will be okay you know, I've, I've talked to you about this before and if i gave you if i gave you you know a, a a big glass of water you know not just a little 16 ounce i gave you a 24 ounce glass of water and i told you there's just a little bit of fecal matter in there that's that's poop in case you're wondering how likely would you be to drink that? Not very likely. But yet we think sometimes, we, we think sometimes that when God says that not to, you know, that, that something's destructive or something is detrimental to us, that a little bit will be okay. And we buy the lie. And we jump in, you know, don't, don't do that. You know, don't do that. Look at verse 6. Paul gives us a warning. He says, the wrath of God is coming on all those who are what? Disobedient. Sin cannot be allowed to continue unchecked. It cannot be allowed to continue unchecked. 
driving through, you know, we're heading to Chicago on Tuesday. And, um, and once again, I'm going to be fascinated with the fact that they bother to hang up speed limit signs. I just, I mean, really? The, you know, I don't know if you realize when you're going on 94 through Chicago and as you're going along there and uh, you get to part of it on 94 and it's the interstate where the speed limit legally drops to 45. Now, the only time you're going to drop to 45 is during rush hour. That's the only time you're going to drop to 45. I remember being on the, on the on 94 with the superintendent when I was on the school board when we lived up there. And the superintendent and I were driving downtown to an office downtown, and he's going to speed limit. I I was petrified. I mean, and he just did it nice and calmly, you know, and he's driving along and he's talking to me, and I'm thinking, stop in the gas! We're going to die! You know, because 45, everybody else is going, you know, 65, 75, whatever it is. Why, why, why do we bother hanging up the speed limit signs, you know, I think sometimes. And we just think, well, everybody's doing it. It's okay. I still think, you know, he did the right thing. You know, and people say, well, you know, this is dangerous and that. Well, yeah, it's, you know, you know, sometimes it is dangerous to do the right thing. It is. Go talk to some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who live, you know, in the Mideast right now. Sometimes it's dangerous to do the right thing. But this is what we're called to. You know, we're called to live that way. There should be a difference. There should be a difference, you know, between your behavior and motivations and those who don't claim to have a relationship with Christ. Those who have a relationship with Christ, our our actions, our motives, the things we do should be different than those who don't claim to have a relationship with Christ. Your walk, it's a, your everyday routine, it's to, it's to reflect your relationship with Christ. Now verse 8 gives us some good examples there of places to start changing, but don't stop there. You know, don't, don't stop there. You can certainly start, I mean there's plenty in this for me to work on the rest of my life probably, on, on both of those to put off and to put on. When I began a relationship with Ginny, you know, my everyday routine changed to build and foster that relationship. When you have a relationship with Christ, you know, you know that, that, don't, don't miss the point. The focus isn't on outward appearance. The focus is on the inside. It's on the inside. It's what's moving us along. Set your hearts and minds, the inside. Set your hearts and minds on things above. And you begin that by actively putting to death the old self, which means you learn not to do those things which have become a natural way of life for you. Man, when I became a Christian and, um, you know, when I came into a relationship with Christ and, you know, it was as an adult and, um, I was crude. I mean, some of you say it was. Uh, no, I mean, fo- profanity was simply descriptive adjectives in my speech. I mean, that's all it was. And, uh, you know, and to learn that, you know, that, that speech was not honoring God. To talk that way was not honoring God. And, you know, to work to change that was work for me 
And then, you know, it wasn't only just changing the words, but it was changing even the motivation for some of what I was saying. I had to learn not to do those things which had become a natural way of life. That ties in with the, ver- with the warning in verse 9 where it says, Do not lie to one another. If, you, if all you do is change your outward actions and only in certain situations, you know, and only, you, you don't have your heart and your mind set on things above, well, then you lie. If all you're doing is changing them for certain situations, if, all, if the only place you, you know, that you act like a Christian is when you're together in church here, then what you're doing is you're, you're lying, you're living a lie. Notice he says to take off, take off certain things. Take off the old self. Take off that old nature. Remove, cease from exercising the old self with its, with its practices. And then it says instead work on building up. Work on strengthening the new self, which is, I like this, being renewed. You see, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm still on, in process. But don't, use that as an, don't use that as an excuse. Use that as a motivator. Don't use it as an excuse to behave inappropriately. Use it as a motivator to get yourself to, you know, to, to live better. It's a continual process, being renewed, a continual process of building up your knowledge of God and applying that knowledge. Verse 10, he words it, in the image of your creator, being renewed in the image of your creator, our new, our new self, our new nature should reflect the image of our creator, God. He created a new nature in us when we come into relationship with him. Second Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Jesus is now in those who are his. If anyone is in Christ, you know, he, we, we have that relationship. You know, so within and among those who claim to belong to Christ, there should be no separating divisions. He goes on in, in Colossians, he says, in Christ there is not... Greek, Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and is in all. And is in all. Now, it's not that there won't be differences. It's not that there won't be differences, differing ideas and opinions. There are. The point is that those differences and differing opinions won't be separating us. They won't be separating us. That we will all be continuing to strive to be all that God wants us to be. Pick up again, verse 12. Finish this off a little bit here. It says, therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love. The perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you are also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him it's pretty clear here you know if you put off those those qualities those habits those traits that way of thinking you know that came from the values when we were separated from christ uh, you know put off anything any put off anything any that that is that is not your relationship with christ whatever isn't tied and anchored to your relationship to christ put those things off 
and put on those new qualities, those habits, those traits, way of thinking that comes from the value, from the lifestyle that comes from your relationship with Christ. This is a fuller picture. This is a fuller picture here of what taking off the old that is without Christ, taking off that old that is without Christ and putting on the new which is found in Christ. Look at verses 12 through 14. We're told, you know, to have heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, accepting and forgiving, and love as our most noticeable qualities. Where he says, put on. Some translations say, clothe yourselves with. Put them on. Put them right up front so that people can see it. When people speak of you, these qualities should be some of the qualities that come to mind, you know, right up front, that this is what this person is, some of those things that he's putting there. We're told we need to be forgiving, forbearing. Verse 13, forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Notice it doesn't say here, uh, it, it didn't really happen. That's not what it says. Look at it. Forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Your goal, your goal for forgiveness should be the same type, the same degree of forgiveness which is found in Christ, which is undeserved forgiveness, total and complete forgiveness, across-the-board forgiveness, repeated forgiveness, loving forgiveness. This is what God gives us. He tells us in verse 14, above all, put on love. Sincere actions, not begrudging ones, put on love. You know, th- those things which are for the other's benefit, which are for the other's betterment. This is the love he's talking about here. And he goes on. He, you ought to underline verses 15 through 17 there in your Bible or highlight it on your phone, whatever you got it on. And let the peace of the, of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. You see, because as you put to death the earthly nature, it no longer rules. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Remember, we said this is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Not that you're always calm. Not that you're always calm, but that you always act as Jesus would. You always act as Jesus would act. You know, you know think about that. We, there's a lot we could do, but we've got to skip that. And he says, and let the peace, you know, let the peace of God rule. You know, the peace of, the, the peace of Christ, it does not mean, you know, calm situations. But the calm assurance that we're living as Jesus would because we've seen his face and we know his heart. Seek my face. We've seen his face and we know his heart. That peace of Christ, it's, you know, more sure the more we know him. The more we know him through his word. It says, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. Dwell, living, abiding at home in not a quick stopover, you know, that extended interacting, that abiding. Not just stopping as we pass through. I told you we're going to go to Chicago on Tuesday. We're coming home on Thursday. It's just going to be a quick pass through. You know, we're not dwelling there. We're, we're just, we're, we're just, you know, stopping, getting on with our, with our life. Let the message about the, about the Messiah dwell in you. Let it be a part of you. Let the message of the Messiah dwell richly among you, it says. That, that's not just a weak portion. You know, we talk about food being rich when it reeks of fine qualities, you know, when tastes are in abundance, when, when flavors are overflowing, you know, and, and those are dominate. Let the, message of the, uh, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. 
That doesn't come from just sitting and listening to sermons. Not mine, not anybody else's. It comes from reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on his word. What kind of Bible study are you doing? Not just reading, but study. Look at the last half of verse 16. It says, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So many applications for church life here. Look, you know, do, you, do you come to be entertained or to participate? Today, did you come to be entertained or participate? Did you come to see what others have for you or did you come to be able to minister to others? You know, do you come to see your friends or do you come to seek God's face? Do you try to see Jesus Christ in the songs we sing or do you just wish we'd sing different songs? Do you look for Jesus in the words we share or do you make excuses as to why you can't, uh, you know, or, or why you won't be what the word is calling it to be? These are hard questions, but they're necessary questions for us to face. If we're going to have a serious relationship with him, we're told in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Seeking his face is not like a trip to Mount Rushmore where we can go and say, seen it, been there, done that. Whew, that was something, wasn't it? I've never been to Mount Rushmore. It's one of those places I'd like to go to one of these days. See Zach and Harry. Go out to eat with them. Haven't done that in a while. But it's not like a trip to Mount Rushmore where we can go and look and see and say, well, it's all accomplished. See, you know, seeking God's face is to keep yourself face to face with God in all you do all the time. Keeping yourself face to face with God in all you do all the time. I read a quote this week. It said, our, preoccup- our preoccupation with living keeps us from seeking his face. Whew. Put off those things that are keeping you from seeking his faith and put on those things that are showing you are indeed one of his people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Not an off and on relationship. Set your heart and mind on things above. Commit yourself to be preoccupied with God. Make God your number one goal in every situation, whatever you do, in everything you do, every day to better invest time in knowing Jesus and knowing his word better, being able to live as he does. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. We're going to pick up with the rest of this in a couple of weeks. Let's pray. Father, um, wow. Those things, and I'm reading through all those different qualities there and thinking how many I need to shed from myself and how many others I need to pick up and intentionally focus on. Thank you for this reminder for me. Thank you for... Um, Taking me back once again and remembering and looking and thinking and looking at your word and looking at myself and trying to bring those 
my life more in harmony with your word once again in some of those areas that I've just let slip. I too often am too easily angered. Too often I don't watch what I say as much as I should. Too often I don't let love lead. But I give in to frustration. I don't want it to be that way anymore, Lord. Thank you for these reminders. Guide us, direct us more and more to the reality of seeking your face means living your way, not ours. Don't let us, don't let us slide. Uh, continue to remind us not only of what you've called us to be, but of your love that will help us be that. And for that, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.